It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 19th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com coming at you today on a Tuesday, an off day for Orlando as they continue their little two-game road trip. Finished up against the Detroit Pistons on Sunday. You can go back and listen to my recap of that along with the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live where I talked about a lot of different issues, answered your questions as I do every Sunday, except for this Sunday because it's Christmas Eve. But um, you can go back and listen to that episode bound in the archives uh, by or by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. On today's show, though, we'll talk all about the Orlando Magic, and a couple of issues that that popped up in in the Detroit game, one bad and one good. The first one being uh, the the theme of momentum, and it's been a trend throughout the last couple games, so I'll talk a little about the Magic and how they've struggled to kind of build momentum and how things either seem to come come completely all at once or seem to collapse uh, pretty much at the same rate, too. Um, then we'll talk in uh, the second part of the show about Mario Azonia. Uh, I wrote a post about Mario Azonia on Friday on Friday for Saturday about him getting this opportunity and, and taking advantage of this opportunity. And obviously he did Sunday, and, and it's obviously a huge reaction. A lot of Magic fans want to talk about Mario Hizonia. So I will talk about Mario Hizonia. I think I, have a, I think I have a reputation on the internet of being a Mario hater, and I, I don't think I am, but maybe I am. So we'll talk a little bit about Mario Hizonia here at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. But I want to get into this issue of momentum. Uh, and this issue that that seems to be popping up that that seems to have popped up in the last three games really, where it, it just doesn't seem like the Magic are able to get themselves over the hump, and where it feels like things either go really bad or really poorly, and there's really no in between for the two. Just in some respects, that's life as a bad team, and especially an injury riddled team like Orlando. The Magic just don't have the players that provide the consistency needed to maintain a high level of play. And and that's why the Magic's record is what it is, 11-20, and and, and why the Magic are where they're at. You know, I I remember going from being a mediocre team, a middle-of-the-road team, to a championship-level team, and it was those those little things that I... The little things that I remember of, of that transition... Yeah, in the 2007, 2008, 2009 season, it was winning games when you didn't have your best game, when you when you didn't feel like you played well. Um, it's it was you know these these instances where you know your 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 normal, your baseline, your average level is just at a higher spot than other teams, and you could survive some injuries because the culture is so ingrained, because the confidence is so built up that. You don't have that letdown. For the last five years, of course, the Magic have not had that base level. They've had to play very, very well. 
this team's margin for error, especially with all the injuries, is incredibly small. Little mistakes compound, especially if they're you know, if you lose attention, if you lose grip, if you if you let focus slip for just a little bit, things get into big trouble. And I think that's what we're seeing right now from the Magic because if you listen to Frank Vogel after Friday's game, if you listen to uh, even if you watch Sunday's game, and I would honestly agree with this too. It's not that the Magic aren't playing hard or playing with good effort. Um, it's those little things, those little moments maybe, where the, the, it, someone is trying to do too much or they can't quite break the defense for whatever reason on a couple of possessions and someone kind of tries to freelance it. Not, I wouldn't call it a selfish play necessarily. Um, it turns out to be selfish, but I don't think it's coming from a place of selfishness. I think it's coming from a place of we need a push. I'm going to bring that push. And as I've said throughout the season, when these moments happen, that's when the Magic need to trust each other more. And of course, without all the injuries, I can't blame players for maybe not trusting some new guys out there. Um, you know, I think, uh, again, Wesley Awundu has played very, very well, but his unwillingness to shoot sometimes and his poor shot, the, the play, his teammates don't quite trust him to take an open shot, to make an open shot when he gets one. And so that limits his effectiveness. And I think, again, that's, I think I've said this yesterday, I think that's why we're seeing some of these odd lineups, you know, your Shelvin, Mac, DJ, Augustin, Alfred Payton lineups. Those players have a built-in level of trust. But none of that matters, of course, in the course of a game. In the course of a game, it's about building runs. It's about taking control. It's about hitting that baseline and keeping it. And not kind of giving giving it up for a long time, stopping the bleeding. And Orlando for the last few games has, has not necessarily been able to, to, to not stop the bleeding. I think that there's, there have been plenty of moments in Friday's game against Portland as well as Sunday's game against Detroit where the Magic were able to kind of keep it balanced, keep the lead at the same amount. But because they have these moments where momentum turns against them in a very big way, you know, the game was tied at 22 Late in the first quarter, the Magic end it down 13. So, be, because there are these moments where the Magic kind of let go of the rope for a little bit, and, and it you know certainly does correlate sometimes with the second unit coming in, because right now the Magic's depth is just stretched so thin, that Orlando's trying to play catch-up. And they really sometimes struggle to play catch-up. Take Friday's game against the Blazers. There were several moments where the Magic were down by, you know, 12, 11, 10 points, and it stayed there for much of the third quarter after Portland took its lead. But the Magic were down by 12, 13 points. They'd get a block shot. They'd get a run out. Missed shot. They'd get an offensive rebound, a second opportunity. Missed shot. And then Portland comes back down the other end and scores. Those are momentum-killing plays. And those are the plays you've got to have. When, when a team gives you an extra opportunity, when you make an energy play, you've got to take advantage of it. One of my favorite phrases, which I'm sure I mentioned yesterday, one of my favorite phrases is momentum is the next day's pitcher. It's a baseball phrase. Essentially, it means, you know, momentum is a little bit of a myth. Because one play, in reality, at least in a cold, analytic, analytical way, does not affect what happens the next play. Now, there, there's obviously emo- an emotional aspect, perhaps, 
Um, and and you see it sometimes. You see a missed shot and heads droop, and that kills momentum. That that allows the team to get a momentary advantage. But you've got to take advantage. You got to build good plays upon each other. And something that Orlando is struggling to do right now is to build good plays upon each other, to make that next next good play, to get that next stop. And that costs them against Detroit on Sunday. Orlando missed, uh, you know, Jonathan Simmons had a few shots at the rim in the first quarter during that first quarter run that he missed that Detroit went down to the other end and turned into three points, whether the shot was contested or not. And sometimes it does mean making a tough shot, making a shot you have no business making. Orlando did eventually build that momentum, of course. They went on a 19-0 run on Sunday and gave themselves at least a, a thought of winning that game. Down five with two and a half minutes to go is plenty manageable. And Mario Azonia, you know, even said when he missed the three that would have cut the lead to two, Mario Azonia said, I, I got to make that shot. But honestly, to me, it's not that Hazonia missed that shot. It was a good shot. You take the process over the results. That wasn't the issue. In fact, it wasn't even that string of possessions that was the issue because the Magic got a stop on the next play. What was the issue was what happened next when D.G. Augustin drove the lane and turned it over trying to force a drive. And then Tobias Harris made a layup to make it a seven-point game. That was the momentum killer. And of course, at that point, time was running out and the Magic's urgency uh, was just not enough. It didn't come soon enough. It is a bit of a, 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 a an amorphous idea, this this thing called momentum. Yeah, It's kind of like the hot hand theory. The numbers guys will probably tell you it doesn't exist, or at least statistically it doesn't exist. One shot does not lead into the next. Each, each event is independent. But, you know, I think in this, you know, ever-going battle between the eye test and analytics, which to me isn't a battle, they're partners, but in this perception of how basketball is played, I think you'd have to be crazy not to think that there isn't this thing called momentum. That there isn't this thing where you make one good play and then you make another and then another and then another and confidence doesn't build in the team making those plays and sink in the team missing those plays. That is something that I think the Magic are struggling with right now. And some of it is their lineup. Some of it is their lack of depth. They don't have guys that can play at that consistent level. Because at the end of the day, what we're really talking about here is consistency. When you're playing your average game, let's say, what level are you at? And... As we talk about consistency, that's where you develop where you're, you are, you're at. I mean, I'm sitting here recording this, watching the Golden State Warriors play the Los Angeles Lakers. No Stephen Curry, no Draymond Green. Kevin Durant is shooting an obscenely low percentage. I think he's like 5 for 20. And yet the Warriors are up 3 on the Lakers. I can't imagine they're going to lose this game. 
And they have bench guys stepping up and stepping in. Again, it's that base level of consistency. What can you rely from on your team? And even if guys are down, do you trust the process that of the plays that you're running? Do you trust each other? How do you put yourself in position to win the basketball game? Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to scrap? Are you willing to make those extra plays that bring energy to the team when it otherwise might not? That's been part of the Orlando struggle in these last, what, 20 games? 16 or 19 games? Where the Magic have really struggled to get themselves going. Orlando's trying to get themselves level. There's no doubt about it. And the injuries have played a huge role. I mean, I, 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 you can't talk about this team without talking about the injuries. But they've also lost some winnable games. They've also lost some opportunities. And they've also got only themselves to blame for not having more of those winnable opportunities. Of allowing themselves to sink to these depths. And if anything, you'd hope that Sunday is a wake-up call for them in some respects. Or a chance to build momentum. Because the way the Magic closed that game was very strong. And it was a lot on them. It wasn't, I mean, Detroit started missing shots, sure. But Orlando made the plays to get back into the game. They looked like a completely different team. And you could feel the confidence coming off of them. I watched the Bulls, Orlando's opponent on Wednesday. They are on a six-game winning streak right now. You can feel the confidence coming off of them. As they had, to, they had to erase, I'll talk about the Bulls more on, on tomorrow's show, but as they erased the deficit against the Sixers in the fourth quarter, you could feel the confidence building in them. Every play they made, even if it didn't quite work out, turned into a positive play. And that's the kind of momentum you got to build. And it takes a lot of grit, and it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of, sort of finding a way to stop the bleeding quicker during the bad times, not letting the bad times get you down. And staying in it and staying in the fight. And of course, eventually, when you stay in the fight long enough, you find a way to win. And that's where the magic are at right now. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And, I, and, I, and you know, I, I, I talk a lot, I'm talking a lot about consistency and establishing a base, and, and that's been probably the biggest struggle for, uh, for Mario Zonia, a player that a lot of Magic fans like to talk about. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine I've talked more about a player who essentially isn't part of the rotation than Mario Zonia. And, part, and a, a huge chunk of that reason is 
He a lot of people still want to view him as fifth overall pick Mario Hazonia. Of course, Orlando took him with the fifth pick in the 2015 draft. Uh, I forget which draft it was at this point, but the Magic took him with the fifth overall pick, and he came into the league with tons of expectations. Obviously, he had a bit of a reputation from his YouTube videos and all that, uh, but he was going to be a, a huge player for the Magic. And obviously, uh, picked out high, you expect him to become a regular starter and a big contributor on your team. And it just never quite worked out that way. His rookie year, he played fine. I mean, it was clear he was adjusting to the league, and Scott Skiles wrote him very hard and, and all of that. But last year under Frank Vogel, Zonia struggled. Whether it was because of the knee issue, his shot left him, and, and he just didn't have any of the other NBA skills needed to stay in the rotation, to get that opportunity that he so desperately craves. But eventually, and so eventually the Magic had to make a choice, and they obviously made their choice. And, it, you know, at a certain point, you know, a player stops becoming his potential and starts becoming his reality. And, and that's always the point I've tried to get across to people. It's like, look, the kid is talented, but he hasn't been able to show it on a court. And we only watch games. And so what I've seen in games, I can't blame the Magic for not playing him because he's shooting, I think his career three-point percentage is 32%, and he was shooting, shot 29% from beyond the arc last year, and this year he's not much better. And so the question I always ask for Mario Zonia, for Mario Zonia supporters who are trying to say, oh, the Magic need to play Mario Zonia, they need to play him 30 minutes a game and give him 20 shots. No, that's that's ridiculous. This is a guy who's shooting, this year is shooting much better, 39.6% from beyond the arc, but 33.6% for his career, 29.9% last year, and, you know, until this recent stretch, not much of a shooter. So it was warranted to, to leave him on the bench because Frank Vogel couldn't figure out where to play him defensively. And if he wasn't making shots, the question was, what is his NBA skill? But the one thing I do know about Mario Azoni, and it's been pretty clear otherwise, is he is a hard worker. He works on his game a lot. And and, and he's a good kid. I, I, I think that's, that's abundantly clear. And for whatever reason, it's not working here right now. And so, of course, you know, there's there's definitely a push to get him out of Orlando, and I think he needs a fresh start somewhere else. He needs to get out of Orlando, go to go to a place where he can make some mistakes, because Orlando did not afford him the opportunity to make mistakes. And since he could not, since he was not hitting shots at an acceptable rate, he became useless to a team trying to win. They didn't have time to wait for him to experiment and find a shot. If he wasn't producing, he was costing them wins. That's not the ideal situation, of course. And so Azonia was out of the rotation, essentially, for this season, too. Vogel viewed him as a four, which is probably not his natural position. Because his defense was just not where it needed to be on the perimeter. And so here comes the injuries. And here comes an opportunity for Hazonia to get back into the lineup. And to me, it's not about Hazonia scoring points at a crazy rate. It's not about... He scored 28 points 
against the Pistons on Sunday. 10 for 18 shooting, 8 for 12 from beyond the arc. He scored 17 points, 6 for 11 shooting, 2 for 6, 9 rebounds, 4 assists against the Clippers on Wednesday. Those are impressive stat lines. But it's not those stat lines that impress me. What impresses me more is that it felt very natural for him to do it. And, and, and we talked to Hizonia after Wednesday's game. Or after, sorry, after Friday's game against Portland, if I'm not mistaken. Because the opportunity had finally presented itself to Hizonia. And it seemed like he was finally taking advantage of it. And so, the trick for Hazonia then is not to go out there and score a ton of points and look impressive. The numbers are impressive, obviously. The trick for Hazonia was to find a role and fit it. And that's exactly what he's done. I mean, with, the, with more touches, more confidence, you know. But it's not, it's not a confidence thing. Uh, it's just uh, the... How to tell you, it's just like how to be in a, in a system and still doing your stuff, you know, like, because, I mean, I was practicing as, like, double as everybody I was doing, three on threes and stuff. It's just, if I do that on a, on a court, it will be looking like he's trying to show off and doing his own thing and we're not going to win. So you just got to, like, find your own rhythm but still be in the system. It's and about, trying to, it's yeah, about kind of learning, yeah. learning a role. Yeah, because if I go down there individually, we're going mm-hmm. I will look good, but we're gonna we're gonna lose, you know. Like we're not gonna win a lot of games like that. So, and everybody has to step up like like that, you know. Has to have that um, mindset because if we go on our own, we might win <laughs> almost nothing. So, and you know, Mario said that after the game Friday, and and it's really kind of the first time. You know, and, and he's, he always says the right things, and and I, and I think he, he he I think he's more humble than people give him credit for, and, and eager to learn. I, that when he was a rookie, the number one thing that I that I took away from my interactions with Mario Azonia was that this isn't some cocky guy. This isn't some like overly cocky guy who thinks he's the best player in the world without earning it. He was a guy who I felt like under knew how knew how talented he was. Number one, but also understood that he still had a lot to learn and was willing to learn it and willing to go through some struggle to get there. Now, what would he, I don't think he anticipated was, was a shot to just to depart him and, and for the team to kind of abandon his development completely. As, as I've told so many people, both sides are to blame for Hizonia's lack of play. Hizonia did not keep himself developed and not, did not perform on the court to, to, to earn a spot on the court, but the Magic also did not create an environment where he had an opportunity to grow and to learn and to improve. Um, instead, he kind of had to do it on his own and and they kind of left him alone to do it uh, and he and, and he didn't deliver. So if the Magic decide to let Mazzonia walk and it appears they will because they didn't pick up his team option uh, for his fourth year, then there are plenty of reasons why that is the case. Um, and both sides certainly share blame on on kind of letting this, this talent not realize its potential. Um, but at the same time... Uh, this is the first time that I've uh, uh, that I've heard Hizonia really talk about developing and and mastering and staying within a role within the offense, um, an understanding of what he has to be. 
Um, as I've told a lot of people when it comes to Mario Zonia, and again, Mario Zonia receives a lot of attention and, and, and to some extent obsession because he is, he is a former fifth overall pick. He is a very talented player who, um, who should be better than what this is. Uh, we all see it. And again, Sunday was a perfect example of what he could be. But right now, we don't need fifth overall pick Mario Zonia. If, if anything, that Mario Zonia is gone and will not exist anymore. Instead, what we need is role player Mario Zonia. A guy who can come in and provide value to the team. Just a base level of value. And for him, that's making shots. That's spreading the floor. Being a threat from beyond the arc. It's playing within himself at this moment. Playing within himself and not trying to do too much. You know, Frank Vogel said the big thing with Hazonia right now is limiting his turnovers. He has a penchant for turning the ball over, for trying to force plays and, and making wild plays. He definitely still is searching for the right places to be on offense sometimes, too. And defensively, he gets sucked into the ball a little bit too much and is ball watching. But as long as he is performing a role, and that role is making shots and spreading the floor, he has a place on this team. And so right now, as, as, as he's gotten this opportunity with all the injuries, Hizonia's main goal is to give this team some value immediately. Then the development of the rest of his game can come. Then he'll be more comfortable and confident to attack under control within the offense. But it has to start at this baseline. This baseline role. The last two years for Mario Zonia have been incredibly frustrating. No doubt about it. And it's those two years still outweigh his last three games. Because before that game against the Clippers, Hazonia had really done nothing all year. He'd done nothing that I'd seen on the court that would make me say, yes, this guy needs to be in the rotation all the time. Now certainly, and I agree with this completely as well, the Magic should have and could have been playing Hazonia in, in different spots more than they did. But now, here's Hazonia's opportunity. And Hazonia is taking advantage of it. He is playing his role better than expected and earning time in the rotation. I would say even if Aaron Gordon is back Wednesday, which he might be, and Jonathan Isaac certainly will play as well Wednesday, even with those two guys back, I think Mario Hazonia stays in the rotation. I think that he sticks it. I think that he has earned a place with this team with the way that he has played. Even in the last Friday, a game that Vogel said was he was okay in. I thought Hazonia was still very was still better than he's been in a while. Didn't get a lot of shot opportunities, but kept the floor spread, was a threat, and wasn't too much of a negative defensively. It's not his best game, but not a bad game for him at all. And again, Consistency is about your mediocre, you know, when you're me- when you're mediocre or when you're when you're not at your best. 
you still provide some value you don't take away from the team. And so the last three games have been a very positive sign for Mario Zonia. He's beginning to define and carve out a role for himself. And that's the first step to getting more consistent playing time. And I think Hazonia is getting there. And of course, now it's up to Hazonia to keep it, to make this his normal. Not the 28 points, mind you, but making three-pointers, being a threat offensively, playing solid defense, rebounding the ball well, which I think he does very, very well. I think that's a really underrated skill of his. And from there, then the future opens up for him in this league once again. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can... Uh, check out the podcast and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. That's R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me. I'll be back tomorrow with a preview of Wednesday's game between the Orlando Magic and the Chicago Bulls. Until then, though, I want to thank you all again for listening for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Ross and Reich. I will see you all again tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.